Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 488, part two. Christmas drinks with Polar Bear and Musa Ok Wonga. If you haven't listened to part one yet, get back over there because it's a joy. You're about to get even more. This is probably the podcast I've hyped to my pals the most. I've mentioned this on stream a lot, that this is a great one. I mentioned it to 10.30. I mentioned it, I bumped into Jack Rook the other day. I mentioned it to Jack Rook. It's a really good chat. This is one that as soon as it was recorded, yeah, I was telling a lot of people I actually know that this is one to watch out for because it's bloody lovely. And I hope you've enjoyed part one and you're here for part two because you agree that it's a bloody lovely chat, okay? As ever, we're brought to you by speechvelomerecords.com, patreon.com forward slash scroobiuspip and twitch.tv forward slash scroobiuspip, yo. I'm brief on them because we're getting into this. I, I talked about them in part one. I did also mention in part one that as we mentioned football a lot, it feels relevant on fr- Friday. I've got a bonus episode with an amazing charity that do a lot of community f- football work. It's really interesting. I talked to one of, of the young ladies who's come through the academy and, and coaches there and and, and the guy who's, who's, who set the whole th- thing up. So tune in for that. But for now, this is part two of episode 488, Christmas Drinks with Polar and Musa. Let's go. Yeah, I love that shit. I, lo- I love those things that, that you find. And I'm glad you've started to bring people up because one, one of the things I wanted to get into mm. is just have a reminisce about a few of the people because someone that instantly came to mind as you were talking there was David J as someone yeah. who he'd begin and I'd be like, is this guy like incredibly confident, incredibly knowing, doing it exactly his own way? He'd begin. And because of how mad the spoken word scene was back then, like the variation, you would get some people who are just a bit weird and not that good. David J would get up and I'd be like, oh, all right, what's oh, this going to be? And then, as you say, 10 seconds, 30 seconds in, you'll be like, the greatest. oh, shit. David J, he did a one-taste gig. He came off stage. He was off stage and he was wearing it was a black overcoat and he was off stage and he started performing the wireless mic from off stage and he was like doing a kind of like, air commander mm-hmm. David J, da-da-da, like doing a voiceover and like, so you heard his voice before you saw him. And then he came on stage moving as slow as like, there was a time when Michael Jackson did like a super slow moonwalk. Yeah, David yeah. J came on stage, super slow, a one taste gig. Shout out to one taste and Danny, mm. who did an unbelievable job there for many years. I saw him in Cornwall recently, actually. So like David J comes on stage with this black overcoat and then like takes it off and he's wearing an all white suit with a white hat. And it's honestly, I saw that and thought to myself, this man, and no disrespect to anyone else, you know, like Ayrton Senna would do like lap times and be like a second quicker than everyone else. David J was like that with spoken word. Even the greatest artists I've ever seen. And David J was like, you know, like in there, they talk in like Norse mythology of like the world's tree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, The the tree of knowledge that like basically like feeds the universe of spoken word. He is like the world's tree, man. Mythical. We became friends. So bear in mind... Before I like I I moved to London in the very start of two thousand and six, like t- to be with somebody. But before I moved to London on Kiss FM, I'd heard him. I'd heard him battle cannabis. I'd heard him phone in right to battle people. And my man said to Cam, I can remember this line. Right, this is not, it, he said, you know, it's, it was bear in mind it was like two thousand and four, two thousand and five. There was a this 
a tirade of like kind of like, and this is freestyle as well, like about mix. He has so many things in his mind ready to go, kind of fully internal, internal rhyming. And the, the line that just jumped out, he said, I, I leave a hole in your chest big enough for a blind man to piss through, right? And bear in mind, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm in my early, I've just come out of university, right? And it was bravado-ish, but it was bravado-ish in a way that it was almost more than one image. It's like a story rather than just a slap of a punchline. It was a story, yeah. like a visual thing. Right? And, I, and I'm, 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 I'm literally leaning into my stereo with my cousin going, oh, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And of course, there was no way to find him. No way at all. Right. And then my friend Kim, I met, 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 met friends with a woman called Kim Trusty, who was, Canadian, but was in Birmingham yeah, yeah, yeah. studying, right? And um, and she knew him somehow from gigging, whatever. I went to see her do a gig once, and he kind of walked in, and I, he started speaking, and I went, "That's holy shit, holy shit!" Right? So I'm like just waiting, wanting to say hello, and I got introduced to him. Didn't in typical fashion. I didn't even say anything. I just kind of said hi to him, and then went home or whatever for for, for fear of wanting to like overdo it. And then what happened was on my second or third gig, I went to Glastonbury, and then got on the back of it, got asked to do this tour that's called the Exposed Tour, where they give you, it's the first time I got paid to write, basically. Amazing. Yeah. You write a 12-minute piece, five of you from different regions around the country, and I got sent the list. And I'm like, would you look for it? And that's like, to me, um, Yusra from, from, from um, Claire from Bristol, and, like, and Dave Stickman Higgins from Leicester, me and David J. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm going on tour with David J. David right? J. When I tell you, like, it, I've got memories of us in Froome, in Dorset, right? <laughs> At the time, the scariest place that I've probably ever been to, and I've been to Trench, I've been to a lot of places. These, those places make me nervous. The most English places make me terrified, if I'm honest, right? <laughs> and being through, four in the morning, we're watching Fist of the North Star, the manga, on the TV, mm. but we're listening to um, Cannibal Ox, and we're just writing rhymes, chatting stories about family, and we realise we've got a lot of family play in common, um, Jamaican history or whatever and I've become friends with this guy who was this Amazing. like this Don Mythical. and I watched him make a piece I watched him build a piece on this tour and the way in which he would do it the first time it'd be like like you say it's funny you mentioned Michael Jackson because he's like he would go in and he would play with what a syllable was he'd work oh, to a musical God, yeah. track and then he'd take the music away and then it'd, be, it'd just be syllables vowels and stuff and then he, he'd always interrupt it. His big thing was interrupting himself as if there was more yeah. than one frequency going yeah. on. Yeah. Oh my God. And yes. he'd talk about frequencies, right? It, and it was like, it was like watching a film, listening to a radio play at exactly the same time, but being there live. And then he was so funny. But what he, what he, it, the, the method of it was, it, it needed to make you, like you say, you leave enlightened. You want you to leave with all these questions and just to kind of think about what things were. But he, he wanted to impress you, but he never made you feel like he was trying too hard. I fully believed him, even though it, what it looked like sometimes almost gimmick. It, it was exactly what he wanted to do in every way, shape or form. And it was masterful. You've made me think of something, actually. There's a thing Sorry, about Leo Messi. Leo Messi would do, um, he's one of the few footballers I'd call like a three-dimensional footballer, right? There are some footballers, they dribble the balls in the crowd. But Leo Messi is one of the few defenders, uh, footballers, sorry, who could dribble past the defender, like with the balls off the ground. Yeah. What I mean is when you're going past the player, like most footballers that can't dribble the ball off the ground, Leo Messi will see the defender coming and the yeah. ball is like an inch off the ground yeah. and will flip over the guy's foot. And David Jay is one of the world, is one of the very few like three-dimensional poets who basically when they're talking, Kay is like this as well. They are using like modulation in their voice to fill the bar. You know, like certain rappers, they sound like they're yeah. off beat, but they're never off beat. Yeah, they're yeah. always on time. Yeah. David Jay, it's like the equivalent of David Jay's rap is a bit like watching someone doing a tightrope. It's like a tightrope walk between two buildings but they're tap dancing on a tightrope. Yeah. Like he's so far yeah. off the primary yeah. direction, but he's yeah. doing everything. 
And that was almost like, I remember hearing it and going, this feels like cheating. Yeah. Because I'm just telling a linear story and you're telling yeah, a linear yeah. story, but you're doing stuff like David J would like, he did, he started on set talking like he was a radio tuning mm-hmm. in and out. So yeah. he said he used like four or five different voices. Like he was, he was had his head down. And he was like, no, 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 And yeah, now, yeah. no, no, no. And now in Leicester, the weather is, da, 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 shoot, changes. And then he'd be like, and he'd be like, don't interrupt me or I'm talking yeah. to myself. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, and he was, that was <laughs> yeah, yeah. opening 20 seconds. <laughs> And he'd go backwards. Remember, you go backwards. Yes, yes. And they'd be like, "Why? Why are you going backwards?" He's like, because I want. They want me to take it back. They want me to take it back. They don't want to hear what I'm trying. To, what I'm. What I'm trying to say. I ended up writing the funny. The thing you referenced earlier about the ten lines and the two lines and what I say. Yeah. That was a piece. I literally, specifically, and luckily in the in the collection, I got to say for him and put his name there for once because it'd be like, what did it, what the line was? Um, I can't believe I'm going to quote right. It was like if, if lyrical ability and brilliant delivery made you famous and if yes. every one of us would be wearing David J trainers, trainers. right? And it yes, was yeah, like, yeah, I remember it well. It, I wanted, it felt like I was so, it felt icky in one way, but I was like, no, I need him to know. It was genuinely, I know, and I, know. I remember the first time, in fact, Kay was there. We were at, not Rough Trade, we were at a record shop and we did a gig and I'm like, right, I'm not sure. I've been writing it for the two couple of days prior. I'm like, I think I know it. He's here. I might not see him for a while again. I need to speak this and say this and I remember his reaction and him giving me a hug afterwards and like you say that thing about recommendation and genuine connection I felt it was more probably my proudest moment on a stage I love that line so much I've written something about not being appreciated enough but hopefully not in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable but a nod to you and everyone knowing that was the truth because he knew you know deep I mean? down I think I, I swear the first time I heard that line I, I nodded along and I just didn't really know David J, J yeah. yet so I was like I was pretending I was like yeah yeah We're definitely <laughs> definitely thinking I don't I need to find out who David, I need to find out about David J because and then when he did come into it was that kind of yeah 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 no fuck <laughs> but a I mythical a mythical figure yeah man and the questions is a really good point as as well because I think you you're right so many spoken word artists at the time, it felt like they want to present as if they have all the answers, whereas mm-hmm. David J would just want to present as if he's got all the questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's going to leave you power. with questions. What's that thing about? Like, what's that, what's wow. that philosophy you said? Admitting you know nothing is the beginning of wisdom, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's a Buddhist thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's like the genius of it. Like I don't know, there were just certain artists where they would. How do I say this? It sound, that sounding like you know self promotional or whatever. No, you could. That that generation of spoken word artists was really special. And I always said to people, like, my ambition as a writer was never to be, like, one of the best. It was just to belong in the room. Yeah. And I, I actually saw, you know, obviously Ed Sheeran, who's on the scene, he's he's now just touring, he's doing his thing. I see him, like, once every year and a half now, once every two years. And it's funny because you'd be amazed how much he talks about those days mm. and how much he references poets like yourselves. You'd be amazed. That man has been touring the world since, what, 2009? Yeah. It's like, well, it's a good, like, 13 years he's been touring the world, playing. Mm-hmm. He, the man played, like, 10% of Australia, right? Mm-hmm. He sold two million tickets in Australia, but he still talks about the spoken word scene in 2007, mm-hmm. 2008. Not because it's what he knew or his formative, it's because the talent he saw there was off the scale. And when we talk about David J, it's like, that man, his influence, like, what he told me, like, he was, like, not, not bigging myself up compared to Ed at all. It's more like, David J said something to me, he said, we have to surround ourselves with the higher frequencies. We yeah. have to listen to Prince, Sign of the Times. And we have to be like James Brown in terms of content. He said, we have to flood the place with quality. 
And I honestly think it's why I put out so much work in a short space of time, because David J said to me, you've got to be everywhere at once. Mm, you've got to yeah. be everywhere. They can't ignore you. You look at your spoken word, they've got to see you there. You look at your like your poetry, they've got to see you, the written poetry. You look at your football stuff, you've got to be everywhere at once. And David J taught me that. I just, I, I just w- 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 went to say something and then held back because we're recording a podcast but in the true spirit of Christmas drinks, I'm going to go ahead with it. Cool. I always remember getting a message, I think it was at Glastonbury, getting a message off Jodie Ann Bickley saying, I'm backstage with Ed Sheeran. This is before Ed had got big, big. He was starting to, to blow up. I'm backstage with Ed Sheeran and he's he's dead bummed out because he thinks Kay, Polar and Pip hate him. And I messaged back saying, I don't know about Kay and Polar, but I've got no beef. <laughs> <laughs> you had to settle a beef. You, you had to settle you, a beef. You let this man know he's good with me. <laughs> the other two, the other two are not. I, said, I don't know. I can't speak for anyone else. <laughs> there was a lot going on at that point with Jamie Woon and with and all, oh, all sorts, all sorts of issues. But I remember that so clearly and thinking, man, that boy again. I I think he's he's w- wicked. After after we recorded a last time, Moose. And me and Ed have reconnected a bit, and we've we've lined up a podcast about five times. It's fallen through, but again, nothing but respect for that kid. Can we talk about Jamie Woon for a second? Yeah. Jamie Woon, when Jamie Woon released, and this is, I hope he doesn't. If he ever hears this, I hope he doesn't take this as a disrespectful thing. He was someone who, and I hope he takes us in the right spirit, was and is so far ahead of what was being done. Mm-hmm. When that man put out robots, I hadn't. I was like, no one is writing like this. When I heard In the Night Air, I hated how he was compared to James Blake, the completely different artists. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that really did him a disservice because it almost hurt him in terms of ever made a comparison that was unfair. Jamie Woon, there are certain artists that were actually almost too good to make it because they weren't commodified. You look at David J, right? He was about the work. Jamie Woon was about the work. And I almost feel they were too pure to become huge. Or the, or, or that the annoyance sense. with Woon was they that mad pure. talent and also he was totally the hunk of the scene. Oh my God, imagine, imagine looking I'm, like that. I'm, I remember bringing a girl along to a gig at one point and yes, then sir. being all about wooing. And I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm up in a minute. Don't, don't be, let's forget be about honest. this boy. Jamie, but amazing. This. Jamie, I love you. I love you, Jamie. But I'm never, I'm very glad we were never single in the same venue. <laughs> there were certain friends of mine. I've got a friend of mine. He got, he got engaged and I, I did a speech and I was like, yeah, I'm so happy that he's off the market because now <laughs> I'm all that's left. Yeah. I think he's putting out some new music soon. Is oh, he? wow, I can't wait. I yeah. think so. I Him think and John so. and McClary, man. John and McClary and Jamie Woon were just yeah, yeah. advance as well. They were just on a different level. Mm. That's the thing about that scene. You know what I've got to say? And this is someone that came in, like, do my spoken word, whatever. There was always someone that was going to humble you, right? Yeah. And like, look, I've got an ego. I'm a confident guy. I speak a lot. I talk a lot of this even today. But like, there was the thing I loved about the scene was there was always people that kept you in check. You know, like you look at Jamie Woon and these people, it was like interstellar talent. And I was standing on like the runway. I always, I always compare my career to like everyone else I saw would like, I'd be on the runway waiting to take off. The plane was fueled up, but it couldn't get enough velocity to get off the ground. And everyone I knew was like up in the air, circling back, having flown off to like all over the world. And I was still waiting to take off. And Jamie was on those people. I don't say it with envy. I mean it because I knew that I'd get there eventually because I worked hard. But Jamie worked really hard and was like a generational talent. Does that make sense? I think... I th- I think you've, I think you're right, and I think one of the reasons us three connected as well, and Kay, was because we were fans of being humbled yeah. in that way or being excited by people. The amount of times I'd ask one of you how a night was, and you wouldn't mention your performance at all. You'd be talking about Rob Alton, or you'd be talking about Woon, or again, like when I had Inua on, I don't think I worded it properly, but um, 
What a writer. The oh, thing God. within you was, yeah, exactly that. I had to really concentrate for a few gigs to figure out if he was a good writer or not because he's just got the perfect, he's got the best voice in 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 the history of spoken word. I was like, is he a good writer or has he just got the dreamiest, most amazing voice in the world? And I'd, I'd have to proper cut through just that dreamy voice and go, oh no, this boy's astounding with what he's yeah. crafting and, yeah. and how like he's riding, Like riding BMXs between freight trains in the rain, right? Yeah. That was the first time I met him. It was the first time I met Jamie. First time I met Danny. Glastonbury 2005, like my first ever festival, sat around the fire barefoot, thinking, what the hell is going on here? I don't even know what this is. What, who are these people? What it is? But it was like it genuinely changed my life. And my man stood up. We were around the circle, and I'd seen him speak earlier, and that line was burning to my head. What is it now? It's 20, ridiculous. whatever, years later. Mm. But riding BMX is between freight trains in the rain. I don't know what it was, but that was like, that was, that felt like, it would just it hit me so hard. And we sat around a circle in the fire. We hadn't even said hello to each other. And he, through the flames, he kind of looked at me and we looked around. It was a lot of people from Bristol. And it was just, if I was feeling quite uncomfortable. And he must have seen something because he just kind of nodded. And he was he's decent chunk younger than me. Mm. But he'd been doing it a bit more than I'd been doing mm. at the time. And he just kind of nodded and got up. And I got up and we walked. And we walked like 400, 500 yards before we started speaking. And just hung out the whole weekend and became friends. And it was one of those things where... There was somebody who um, just n- knew that they were kind of good at something, but was also so intrigued about what could be done and what he could do mm. that we ended up kind of connecting on this sense of we were like, felt like we were finding stuff out in parallel. Do you know what I mean? Like, and we would do yeah. lots of gigs together and we would try and Because you two had a real kinship. It's yeah, really for sure, man. It, it was about that thing of like, it, again, I think it was story, but it was about kind of scale. And like, to me, scale didn't necessarily mean, mean kind of big to him. He was thinking huge, mm. like as, as since realized these huge, epic, gorgeous, you know, like, like almost like part installation for kind of theater pieces. And for me, like kind of big meant, I guess it meant, um, I guess more and more filmic in a, mm. in a sense, like trying, like what, how, what could you, what could I get you to envisage rather than necessarily experience? It was a little bit still kind of campfire yes, yes. density yeah. in that kind of way, yeah. but it was, and yeah, you know. Be, like, Do you know, it's say, like, you're, he's like, he's like Jay Electronica and you're like Frank Ocean. <laughs> you know that you know, you know that album you know Blonde, he'll, want, Blonde. He'll, want, he'll want Frank Ocean he'll want Frank yeah, Ocean yeah but the reason why he's not is because uh, the Frank Ocean second album Blonde where mm. Blonde is basically almost someone writing like love letters on their like iPhone notes app and everyone yeah, in the world yeah, yeah. is reading it over his shoulder whereas Inua with that lyric about the bikes that's a very Jelletronica type lyric you know yeah, yeah. obviously yeah. before uh, that thing about the lyric that um Jetronica has about the stenches like slave blood in, in Providence Hall. Yeah. It's like, I remember hearing that going, that is such an Inua type Yeah, line. for sure. Does that for make sure, sense? Mate. So Inua's work is, well, this is not a criticism, Inua's work is more, um, here is a thing I yeah. want to show you. And you're almost like, we shine a spotlight in the corner yeah. and we look over your shoulder and we're reading the notes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Does that makes sense. It's just yes, lovely, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's how I see it. Completely. But I think he's the, what, what was always kind of got me was like, again, I, I fully believe him, but it's like he is timeless and contemporary at the same time. Yeah, it's extremely rare. Do you know what I mean? Re- yeah. Really, really rare. Because it's like, right, the things that he broaches or kind of introduces me to are things that have always pushed me away since school. And yet there's something about the lens and the grapple of it with him now that, that, that makes they me like, give not him a Marvel only movie. It, but, yeah. They should give him a Marvel movie. Yo. They should give anyone a Marvel movie. You know what they should do? They should, you know, like this whole. I think, <laughs> He's I think calling Marvel, shots. He's called cool. I love it. He is. I love Marvel it. Marvel need a lot of help right now. You know this Kang the Conqueror character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the problem with Marvel is it's got too powerful and too big and too whatever. You know, the whole point of Kang the Conqueror is you've got all these different versions of Kang. 
mm-hmm. where Kang is like taking over the universe. I think it's too big. If they gave Inua one of those movies and they said, okay, write a Kang movie. Yeah. And Inua went up and wrote a story where Kang was like, there was a version of Kang who was so ashamed of his power. He became a monk. Yeah. And just basically like tended his garden. He could can write we make something this happen? so- Mister, Can we make this happen? Hon- honestly, that's... he deserves, he could do a Marvel movie. Because yeah, they need, fully they need, fully they need that universe actually, I think, is actually absorbing too much talent at the moment. Yeah, it needs, yeah. it needs someone with his level of craft to give it some heft. It's yeah. like, There's no Marvel focus right, either, is there? You know when you make chicken stew? Mm-hmm. Right now, Marvel Universe is like a chicken stew without ginger, right? <laughs> like you know, you the, know it's the, missing. <laughs> the, yeah, the ginger, the ginger makes everything cohere. You put the ginger in first, even before the chilli or the wet. You know how I'm saying, right? Yeah. Inuit is the ginger in that. They yeah. need someone like that in that yeah, space yeah. to kind of give it the heft. Anyway, that's my view. No, no, I'm fully I'm throwing, that. throwing out hot takes. And no, listen, here. man, they're not hot takes. They're just, they're just like, they're possible. We need to make these things happen, man. I completely agree. Yeah, there's just so much that, I mean, when I used to go to these gigs and get excited about people's work, it's because I could understand, I could see so many possibilities for them. Yeah. Because like, I'm out and about a lot like, in lots of different worlds, I look at people and go, my God, like this person needs to be on this stage and needs to be there and needs to be producing that. And it was so obvious to me. I'm not, I predicted any of this, but what's so exciting 14 years later is to see everyone just like, everyone's thriving. Yeah. And, 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 and again, in, in everyone f- finding their place, like J- Jack Rook, in my opinion, wrote oh my the God, best yes. series of the year. I think Big Boys is absolutely astounding. And I've spoken I to love him. I show love Jack him. about this, how... I remember seeing him do spoken word and thinking, all right, this is good. I remember him seeing him kind of doing comedy, thinking, all right. And then it turns out what he was meant to be doing was this, was was creating this amazing, a unique show. Yeah. And then you look at, at Cecilia Knapp, as said, who's got two books out this year um, and is just love it. killing it. And I, I love that. And then you look at someone like Kay, who's just continued on a natural an unparalleled evolution and rise and rise and rise. And they're just all over the world just doing amazing things. I love that about that scene at the time. And Inua with the plays oh he's God. putting yeah. on are just astounding. Like the buzz I got. And again, I don't, I didn't know Inua half as well as either of you guys, but going to see his play at the, at the Roundhouse and then seeing it's on in New York and just all over the world. And it's just like, and being blown away by it, going as kind of a, oh, that's one of the guys... Like, like I like from the scene back in the day, I'll support that. And then getting there and not realizing it's like in the big room and it's like it's, big, it's proper. It's like this is this is a huge production. Again, oh shit, I've not been paying attention to Inua. It turns out Inua has been over here hustling, it's and cooking. I've not known. It's cooking. Yeah, I love it, man. I, I love it. So uh, uh, let's kind of start to wrap things up, I guess. Good luck with that. Anyway, so carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I've got two big things. I've got yeah. three big questions. I want to know what each of your Christmas and New Year's plans are, and then we'll get on to 2023. <laughs> and that could be a whole nother hour. I'll warn you right now. But you'll, you'll uh, go first. Uh, what <laughs> you guys got planned? What you got planned, Paula? Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. I um, like I'll cook at some point. Simple stuff. The 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 merry-go-round of my my existence is not that complicated, really. Yeah. Every now and again, I jump off to get some stuff done, but I've kind of come back to the merry-go-round as fast as I can, basically. It's, um, yeah, we've got two teenage boys, eh? So it's like, um, Amazing. it's good. Good times with a little crew, little crew. Um, uh, uh, what are they after this year? Have they, have, no, have they put in any requests? Not really. I mean, like, our youngest, like, so our youngest, um, he's just 13. He, so my partner, she used to teach at a drama school called Central. And one of her ex-students is now a really prominent uh, figure in the Dungeons and Dragons 
seen around the world, right? Wow. About and it's part of a um, podcast called Three Black Halfling, which is all about trying to take, remove the kind of Eurocentrism of, of, of role playing games and, and kind of bring yeah more global majority kind of characters and things into into, wow. this, into this world, right? And they got they they fell in love with this podcast, and because he's like um, an ex student of my partner, they've been in contact. This guy Jasper came and ran an in person session for him oh, for his wow. birthday on Sunday, mate. When they talk about it, it's like it was like it was one of them Charlie Bucket type things. It was like I stayed, yeah. up, I, I I made chicken wings and just kind of brought the food and like disappeared. It was like it was like the dream. So like they're into all sorts, man. But I think no, it's not really. Nothing specific. Nothing specific. It's just I don't know. It's I've like, I, I, my jaws on the floor at that. That must have been mind mate, bl- blowing, right? Mate, like I'm like it's not my thing at all, genuinely, and that's what I love. It's like no one's going to meet them and think, "Oh, you are you are Mini Stevens." Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, their their things are completely different, and it's just lovely. It's absolutely lovely to kind of watch him kind of been into. I, I did a, f- a film with a guy called Eugene Simon who was was like a key person in Game of Thrones yeah. a lovely lad and I was chatting to him off set and he was like mm-hmm. oh, yeah I'm really into my d and I've joined a little dungeon team in in, yeah. in East London and I was like do you realise how excited everyone else on your team is yeah because again you're in Game of Thrones that's completely <laughs> that well the, the dude from Game of Thrones is in this and he's like oh it's, it's just some people I met online I'm like no 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 when you leave they're buzzing that they've got the dude of Game of Thrones in there in their little but it's so much fun dude. it's so much fun because it's like it's the, the, the it's imagination building. isn't it it's story yeah, t- a, a telling again that's exactly what it is completely. but it's communal and it's yeah. community sense, yes it's, it's that sense of why i love it and reason i, I medieval stuff druid stuff it just terrifies me if i'm on it so like i like <laughs> i'm praying for like a kind of more steampunky kind of noiry blade runner setting at some point i keep pushing for that it's yeah. coming apparently yeah. But like it's, they absolutely love it, and it's just it consumes them, and they kind of they sometimes they lead campaigns with friends, other times they're kind of joining in. But it's just that thing of the, the basic the feeling of of watching people that you love like genuinely excited by a thing. Oh my god! It's almost more fun not to share it. It's more fun to kind of just be next to the glow and kind of yes. f- to try and facilitate it or mm-hmm. fuel it, and you end up going, oh my god, it's the coolest thing in the world because I don't fully understand it. And when I think of all the things that like we're trying to, you know, looping it back succinctly, trying to be succinct, that sense of I like you not because we're the same. I like you because I believe you and you are something that I don't know. And I'm intrigued and I want yeah. to find out yeah. more about that. And it's like, that's what's attractive, I think. Is I'm going to sound cheesy for you. I'm going to sound cheesy for a moment. The thing that meant the most to me as an artist over the years is the respect of my peer group. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Honestly, it never, nothing ever meant more. Like when I was, we had, went for that, um, that drink that time in um, Hoxton. Yeah, we went. That was the first time we did this. It was me, UK, uh, Screwbot, the the four of us. And at that point, I didn't have the kind of status of you lot, and I wasn't the same. And it was funny because very often people would watch me, like, oh, like who's that dude? Like people didn't know who I was, and it was like it meant a lot that you valued what I was doing because I think at a certain point in my career, I was like, I'm just going to be one of those people that people in the scene know, but people don't really know outside it, and that's yeah. enough. And that was actually enough because because I knew what the craft meant. And I think it's the same with like now as an artist, like going to spoken word nights. So my favorite things actually would be going to a night where you're not performing at all. You're just sitting there and soaking it up because I'll always be in love with the craft. Mm-hmm. Like whether I'm writing. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's mad what you see though, man. Cause both of you were on the scene before me. And again, I was always hoping to get to a Musa level or a polar bear level. I think Kay was probably on just before me as well. So it's mad to hear you say that you felt you didn't have the status or whatever else, or this is like, no, I would have never, I would have felt I'm lucky. I think with me, you know what it was? Can I be honest? I think it's because I think consciously me, I had deliberately sabotaged a conventional career for myself. This isn't. 
This is makes sense. Yeah, I don't want to interrupt you, Le, but this was the thing. This, this was, a, and this was some of the conversations that we would have as well. Was that thing of like you know when you kind of you can see somebody wrestling with something, and it wasn't a lack of conviction because, like you say, the conviction it took to do that and to make that kind of switch was oh was so indicative of, of a strength, and yet. It was also. It always seemed to seem to me like there was this perception of, of like how far this could go, or trying to be realistic on the point of maybe even cynicism. Sometimes we'd have conversations. I remember I'd have conversations with yeah. you, and you would, and it, you, I would want to say more, but also wouldn't want to be like condescending because I'd never even thought about it in terms of status. It just seemed like I believed you. So I was like, I, what I respected was the fact that you were processing it and communicating what you were processing as a. a, a as well and there was such a box of snakes there as well do you know what I mean because like you say there was there's there was the the history of of the education stuff oh but God. there was also sexuality in there and there was there was a whole box of snakes and in the there, messages and you, you were, get from school friends now you know what i mean mate and that's why it's so gorgeous to read this stuff to be fair because they, e- they email you yeah yeah sorry, that's why it's yeah. so lovely to read to read to read these things because it's like right here is some it felt like the same person but it also felt like somebody who'd reached a point where they were like yo this is what it is so you just have it, like it or lump it. This is what it is. Bam, yeah. there you go. And I don't think it's any coincidence that, that that energy is what translates as more awareness or quote unquote notoriety, whatever you want to call it in terms of trajectory, because it's like people respond to conviction with honesty. Either one by themselves becomes yeah. something else, I think. That's so interesting, man. But not to make this about like what I was doing, but in terms no, that's of true. just this thing about, if we talk about all, just to bring all this together, like it's all about community, isn't it? And I think what I, what I think is so amazing, what you've done, the fact that you've basically raised happy children with a wonderful partner. I love making art. Right. I love making work. And the things I'm proudest of are still my friendships. Yeah. My, I'm so proud of my friendships. Like people I don't see for a couple of years, we catch up. The conversations we have, school friends I see who I haven't seen for years, like some have reconnected because of work I've done, they've read. And, you know, obviously your Christmas is going to be a joyful one. And I'm going to be here for Christmas and New Year. And I'm just going to be seeing friends. Yeah. And I live within 20 minutes of 30 friends of mine from the football team. What? Amazing guys. Yeah. 15 different nationalities in our football team. Bro, and they're walking distance from your yard. Dude, 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes. I'm 43 years old. What's that feel like? Friends. It's, un- I cannot, you know, can I say to you this? Like, it's unreal. Like you can go out certain nights. Any one of those 30 people, it's an incredible experience. Yeah. You've got Martin, Argentine guitarist, incredible singer, super cool, incredible politics. Like, you know, proper, yeah. like old school, radical Che Guevara lefty with incredible politics. Yeah. Uh, you've got Sasha Todorovic, who's like got this incredible business on the side, basically like selling CBD oil. He's also like one of the best energy lawyers in the country who also does like asylum law and won an award for like human rights work. Like who organized one of the biggest anti-fascist rallies in Berlin's history. That's Dude, just I've never had out- that many friends in my life. That mean, well, that's two out of 30. That's like <laughs> just two out of 30. A friend of mine just got a course. Yeah. He's, like, he's, he's got a place on a course designed by Jason Mourinho. It's like, a, you know, like the guy Amorim who coaches at Sporting Lisbon. Yeah. He was on the previous course like three years ago. My mate who coaches our team Yo. got accepted on that course. Yo. That's three out of those 30. That's that, that's the levels. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Mosa, um, um, do you listen to much Open Mike Eagle? Or have you listened yet, to any Open Mike Eagle? Not yet, not yet. Check out a song of his called Superheroes. Because I was thinking about it a lot recently and it really resonates <laughs> there. It's all about how his friends are all superheroes and they might not have much money or they might not have this or that, but they're just, they've got 
and he's kind of listing their superpowers, but it's clearly real things. And you starting to go through your your yeah, friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. it resonated with that song. Do you know what I mean? So I feel, much. I feel like uh, and know, listen to it after this. You'll love it. You'll love it. I can't. You know, I love about this because I'm going to write that down actually. Because I feel like obviously this Christmas and year I was spending it with my friend, which is going to be amazing. And I feel like in life I've been allowed to take so many gambles. I've been very lucky. You know, I grew up in a Western European democracy. You know, I've got freedom of movement before Brexit. I almost feel like the rest of my life is a reward for some of the gambles I've taken. Like my friends are the reward, not the kind of commercial yeah. success. The people I've met and encountered and grown to love and who love me are my reward for taking gambles. Yeah. Like it's funny because we're talking now, Ever's in their spiritual home. You're in yours, Scroob. You're where you need to be. I reckon you're in yours, Polar, Stephen. You're in yours. And I'm, Berlin is like this city. My cousin said it best. She said, it's unbelievable. Your output since you moved there, mm. the quality of your work, the quantity of it. I said, it's because I'm happy. Yeah. It's because I found my people. Yeah, and yeah. that's all I can no say. I found my people. Man. Yeah, yeah. Mate, I was going to say, I was beaming at you, you listing a few of those amazing friends. And I was also beaming at they've got you to add, add to their list <laughs> and how much you add to that. Like, genuinely, you're going to be such a key part of that. That It's just such a beautiful Listen. thing to find that community. And as you say, to find your people and for them to find you. Every group, every group needs a catfish. Every group needs a catfish. <laughs> <laughs> if you look around a group and you can't see the catfish, then it's you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's next how, how year? You, how are you spending yours? Yeah, I was going to say, man, what Pro- you do? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm proper yeah. laid back with these things, but it's 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 f- f- funny of you talking there, Musa, about Polar bringing up a family and making this amazing unit. I've not spoken to either of you since I got a dog, and honestly, yeah. I feel like a parent. What are you uh, honestly, about? Did you get a dog? the stupid. When did you get a dog? Pro- just after I spoke to both of you, so while I was in, in Canada, like literally the 31st of that year, so 31st of December t- 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 2020, yeah. my partner rescued a dog while I was away. So it meant oh, wonderful. I missed out on all the hard bits of training. I feel yeah. like a fucking cheap. Cool uncle. I, I came back. Yeah, exactly. I got to come back and have this amazingly <laughs> well-trained dog. Parachute dads. Parachute dads. <laughs> Mate, yeah, exactly that. Hold tight the parachute, Dad. But honestly, the 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 moments of stupid pride I have with this dog, and the moments of excitement and joy, it's like. What's the dog's name, Les? There's a a funny story behind this because when he was in the rescue home, he was called Simba, Mm -hmm. and my partner wasn't a big fan of that, Mm. and my partner wanted to go with Gimli, right? Gimli, and I was like, that's a nice name. It's a Lord of the Rings Rings thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bold, bold. And I was really awkward for ages because I found it really... Because I was away from home as well, you know, it's hard to communicate. I was really struggling to find how to bring up the fact I stammer on hard Gs. Yeah. Mm. So we can't call him... I was worried I'm not going to be able to discipline and control this dog. And it's it's part staffy and all this. So it's a big dog. But again, Mm. it turns out it's the most lovable dog in the world. But I was like... I need to be a responsible owner. So I had to send an awkward message saying, can we have a look at other names? Because I don't think I can say our dog's name, but his name's Finley. Um, oh, and yeah, lovely, lovely name. He's amazing. I'll send you some pictures. Yeah, please a, do. Man. Later, there's please a lot do. of excitement over it. But yeah, I didn't even so, know, man. I didn't even yeah. know. So, so cr- Christmas will be hanging out. I'm, I'll probably do it here and my mum and brother and my dad will come round. And that's what we did last year because mm-hmm. my mum and dad are separate, but mm-hmm. they're both now single and both perfectly happy and it's like and they all get on so it's kind of a beautiful thing that on christmases and things i like that we kind of go 
well, rather than we'll go around my mum's on one day and my dad's on another day, it's like, we're all friends. Like, let's all yeah. hang out. So I'll probably have that here. And then <laughs> New Year's, my tradition is I stay at home on my own. I watch a film. I have a bit of a reflect on the year. I oh, cook yeah. myself some food. It's honestly, yeah. loads of my mates mocked me for it for ages. But now they've all caught up with me in their age. Like, I was old, <laughs> young. Yeah. And now they're like, that's actually... like it's, Everyone <laughs> thought I hate New Year's. It's like, no, I love New Year's. But it's because it's the one... And again, in all of our different industries, you do just kind of stumble along. You, you don't spend a lot of time going, oh, how's like how's what have I achieved this year? And things like that. So I do. I'll, I will watch a film or two and I'll cook. Mm. But I will also try and have a few moments of, oh, that was dope, actually, when we did yeah, this yeah. earlier this year or this happened or that happened. Yeah. So, it's yeah, almost, I, 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 sometimes, I sometimes think that it's like, it's funny because like, um, you know, you lead sessions or you get asked to lead sessions with people or writers and stuff. And what you kind of, what I landed on really early was all I've ever done is try to facilitate communities or facilitate little oh, family yes. connections. Stuff. I can't teach you shit. I'm not really interested in doing that either, but it's like that sense of almost a license to just take a sec. Like my sister... It's funny, we were talking to my sister the other day, but my mum's been away in Jamaica for a couple of months and um, they're really close. So, And she, my sister was kind of feeling it and thinking that thing where she puts her daughter to bed and then her brain goes, right, I've got 45 minutes, an hour before I've got to, what have to do? And I was like, yo, have a bath. Like, mm. And that basically, I'm that geezer, that's who I am. People kind of kind of gravitate towards me when they just want to feel okay about feeling okay. What a, comp- what a compliment. Yeah, well, that's compliment. lovely. And it's one of those things, it's funny, my partner, we joke about it all the time. Like when we're at university, you know, we the little kind of, shitty kind of like gym mat beds or whatever we'd wake up in the morning she would go to classes leave me in the bed go to classes do all the stuff and then just climb back into bed and, everything, and i'd still be there and it was something really i'm like the tree the tree stump of that that, that was called the giving the tree compliment. yeah because it's like it's the stability in the storm like there's a thing i would do in berlin called a writing clinic yeah it's not a workshop because a workshop implies a hierarchy and, yeah um, the clinic we go in there and I'd sit with a bunch of people, a lot of whom have written books, some hadn't written anything at all. And I would start off by saying, here's what I'm struggling with in my writing. Mm-hmm. And the message there was, this is a guy that's been published and he's struggling and he's being vulnerable about it. So I'd say, I'm struggling with this, this isn't working. And then for two hours, we'd all just talk about our challenges in our writing. Yeah, yeah. People who'd never published a single thing, performed a single thing, and this democratizes the entire space. And I think the older I get, the more community becomes important. Yeah. So in terms of how I'm going to spend next year, last year, obviously, was a breakthrough year for me, like put three books out in a year, like career changing year. And this year, I could have just gone and like ground out more books and said no, because if you're not careful, you become a content farm. Yeah. And if you become like, oh, my God, he's got a new book out, he's got two books out. If you start telling the industry, if you if you tell capitalism, you'll deliver something, it will keep milking you until you're you're gone. Yeah. So this year I've taken a bit of a year to just enjoy it and rest on my laurels. <laughs> and next year I'll probably write one one thing mm-hmm. and it'll be small. It won't be some big like epic, Some not that I'm knocking that, but for me, the tendency of my background, my upbringing and my education is to write epic stuff, multi-generations. Like, no, I'm going to write something small, contained and gentle about community because all my work is basically climate change work. Every mm-hmm. single book I've got that I've written in the last few years has been about finding community-based solutions to huge problems. Yeah. Like every single book I've written is a climate change book in the last three, four years, in the sense that we're going to have to rely on each other. So my message for the next year, my book for the next year, whatever it is, is going to be about finding the solutions within communities. Yeah. So yeah that's my manifesto. Yeah. Um, um, Sounds um, good to um, me. And what about on the podcast, Frank? Because you spoke about um, sitting with me, Kay, and, and, and Polo, and not feeling you had the, the profile at the time, whatever. Now... The amount of people when I mentioned, like a few different people I mentioned about this chat, were like, 
I listen to Musa con- like I can't get enough of Musa. Like you're mate, a superstar but, in this. Mate, week. it's it's <laughs> it's world. genuinely, genuinely like I'm like it's the best football podcast that there is by a considerable stretch as well. And having having you know having shopped with my trolley extensively as somebody who who loves football. It's like, do you remember, do you remember Trans World Sport? Yes, I loved it. Oh my God, my favourite. Right. It it's so like, imagine they like condensed Trans World Sport, right? And then took just the lens. It's, mate, it's, I need it. I need it. I, not, I've not missed one. I've not missed one in the whole thing. And like, some, I listen to conversation ones and like when I kind of feel it and I have to be kind of in the mood. But there's something about the transitory nature of referencing what has just happened in a certain world, but infused with what is going on in the wider world as well. But also the opinions... And the, mate, are you, I know you're here. You can see me. But it's the best football podcast by a mile. The greatest compliment, honestly. Oh, tell people Stadio, about it, Moose. Stadio, Stadio. Tell people about it. Oh, well, you know, honestly, can I say this? Like that to me means everything. So the podcast is called Stadio. It's about football. I do it with a great Ryan. I, was say, I literally guy. said tell people about it as as Polar finally said the name of it. So no, 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 Stadio. That was my fault. Just as I'm <laughs> saying, I'm like, oh, shit. It's Stadio. so funny because it's like working with Ryan who's a genius and you know I'll do that as many years as we both feel it has value it has a reach is it makes it all worth it it makes all the struggle worth it because you bring to it all your kind of um all your previous experience and I'm just I'm, I'm amazed that it's caught on because everything I've done has either been too late but I was making what late 90s spoken word and bass music 15 years too late and I was writing about football in a way that was 15 years too early. Not because I'm a brilliant writer. It's not that. It's more that like the way I was writing about football, the references, like the pop culture, which I naturally mm-hmm. did. I had someone that wrote to me and said, oh, now that you've signed to The Ringer with your podcast, you're copying Bill Simmons with your essays. Look at this essay. And I said, look at the date on the essay. Yeah. And the essay is from like 2010. Yeah. <laughs> I've been writing like this for 11 years, yeah. but not paid attention until an American gave me work, which is yeah, a yeah. You know, so the reason I think, and I don't know why Stadio is connected. The thing for me is, it's me talking to Ryan, who I respect very deeply. And we talk about football on and off the field, women's football, men's football. We cover like the main five leagues in Europe. But it's really just, how do I say this? Every book I've written is not actually about the subject matter. So I've written books about football, but they're not really about football, they're about life through the prism of football. So the the reason I respect someone like Luka Modric is he's a Croatian dude Look at his teammates. They're from all over the world. And he somehow found a common language to engage with them, young and old. His teammate, Tony Cruz, who's a German dude, and the young teammates like Kamavinga. And he's found a way in that dressing room to form a community. Yeah. And my whole thing, and Ryan's thing as well, is how do we use football to form a community of people Mm -hmm. where they feel like it's for them? Like, obviously, being an openly bisexual man myself, the most amazing thing for me was being at Wembley the other day. We went to watch the uh, Women's FA Cup final, Chelsea Arsenal, Chelsea amazing performance from Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby. They won 3-0. And we don't want to talk about that, box... to be honest, mate. Yeah, we go to box. Sorry, We don't want to talk about that. It's all love, man. It's all love. Who's so top of the league? <laughs> Listen, no shade. Arsenal, <laughs> they got the vibes, man. They got the vibes. So we're, we're afterwards at Box Park at Wembley and um, the amount of bisexual listeners that came up to me going like, yeah, we listened to Stadio. There were like eight of them. That's Not to flex, I'm just saying that was the kind yeah. of, it was that demographic that would listen yeah. to it. And I was like, this feels like, this feels like the work. This feels well, like we you know, believe my... you, lad. We believe yeah. you, right? We yeah. genuinely believe you. And I beg you, don't figure out why it works. Don't, just keep doing. Don't, just keep going. Don't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just keep keep enjoying it because it comes across, and it's just like it's that thing of it's never too much. It's never once been too much. And audio is a crazy thing because people put it on while they're doing other things sometimes, or they put it in the background, or whatever else. But it's 
but that's not why I come to it. Like it, 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 it it's oh, a journey you. companion for things, and it's like it's never too much. And all it means, I just believe you. I believe you both, and it's it feels like that. It feels like I'm part of. The one thing I will say that is too much, which Ryan's going to hate, but he can't stop me because I have this whole thing. I can always praise Ryan other podcasts because he can't edit it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like the one thing that is too much is Ryan's like, oh, Musa, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm just all the better for seeing you, Ryan. Yeah. And no. he hates it. He hates it. And that's why I always say it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So what's next for you, Polo? I'm not even going to ask yeah, what yeah. next year is, but yeah, what is next? Like what's so, the... No, no, no. So I've want? been, we, we moved back to Brom and my whole thing was, so my partner, she works in um, London a couple of days a week. She leads an yeah. MA at a drama school, like, which is really important for her to have that kind of connection still because it was a, a big move. My, my two years have been basically helping the boys kind of settle. They're settled and kind of flying that. I've been, I've been writing. So there's, um, there's a couple of stories coming out next year, Wicked. which are going to be fun because they've been, yeah, I've been playing. So there's a story coming out in February or March, I think it is. And then another one comes out in the summer. And it's just, it's all, my whole thing is just celebration. So all the books or the, the longer stories, they're just, they're celebratory of every, you know, the older I get, the more proud and kind of excited and inspired I am by what I kind of come from and what that is. So I'm just, I just keep pushing it more and more specifically and like niche to the fore. So the story that comes out in the spring is about a boy from a kind of mixed heritage background who falls in love with food and what food does, that he, how food communicates stuff that he can't say. And it follows him from most of my stories take place so far. They've taken place over quite condensed time periods, like two weeks or a summer or something. Yeah. So I've literally followed this boy from um, year seven through to year 11, so five years. Wow. So it's basically like... Um, almost like a journal of this five years. And I was going to mix up the days. I was going to have it like a kind of like a hodgepodge, like a collagic thing of, but then I, I put it in order first. I wrote it in order first and then I kind of read it. And I just, I just love the kind of the slow, I like the slow burn of things, man. Do you know what I mean? So love it. the goal of it is you, when you read my stories, you just feel like you get to know somebody. And like you're saying, you feel like you're part of their mm. crew. I write to basically to create friends to hang out with for sustained periods of time, basically. Um, so I'm do, I'm going to carry on carry on doing that and always my the participatory stuff like I was in um I was in a, I was in a school in Derby today like it, that's just the juice for me so I just carry on doing that I need to make a note to do more participatory stuff whether it's like Twitch or Instagram yeah lives I want to just do more of that spontaneously next year mm-hmm. just get on live and just like if there's eight people get them to join the chat and be like do just watch him because like what he does is what's interesting so i'm speaking about you when you're right there lad but i mean like what just watch him because what he does is it's like you just have it because it's that thing of knowing you i know how you've thought about the options or the possibilities and the strategic nature of it and yet in the moment what it is it's just completely you as well like you went to the woods the other night man it was fucking terrifying terrifying (laughs) it was terrifying and you knew you knew it'd be terrifying and i know it's orchestrated to a degree like but it's like I believe everything you do, I genuinely feel like it's what you want to do. Like, you know what yeah. I was saying about your trajectory of stuff and like when this happens early, I think it's just that thing. We've talked about it many times about following your gut. Mm. And it's like, right, yeah, it, it, it is strategic, but only in the sense of it's strategic because oh, what do I, I, I want to do something else. Okay, but there's, I'm going to do that and I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. I'm it's, not going to wait. It's, it's weird how strategic it is now, even on that. Like, I'm really conscious of making sure I yeah. stream on Twitch because I want to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because when you start doing anything, it's easy to go, right, well, to be su- successful at this, you have to do it at certain times and do a certain amount each week and things like yeah. that. And I'm like, I will do that if I'm enjoying it. I yeah. don't want to start then feeling, oh, I have a responsibility to do this and so on and so forth, because it, it won't be real. As I said, the fact is, every time I stream now, 
that's what I want to be doing. Yeah, yeah. I've done a few where I've gone, I said I'd be on it this time, I've got to. Yeah. And I wasn't I wasn't there. I was kind of half in, half out. Whereas, yeah, exactly that. I've got comfortable now going, I know I was meant to be on this evening, but I'm not feeling it or I want to watch another episode of Babylon Berlin or whatever yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just chill. So, yeah, but but Moose, if, you ever, though, right? if you ever want to g- get into Twitch, r- reach out. I can talk you through anything you need to know. And you're very welcome to jump on mine at some point and we can hang out and have a chat. I'd love to because I want to do, do more stuff, which is like, do you know what? One thing I've learned from podcasting is people are, connection is so important. Yeah. Feeling heard, feeling seen. Like we had a guy that was a big Jordan Peterson fan and I was critiquing a piece of work of his and someone wrote to me who was obviously someone who, Jordan Peterson is someone I criticize a lot and he's also someone whose work has helped a lot of people in very specific ways. Yeah. yeah. And the guy wrote to me, he was like, oh, you're being rude about this. He said, no, I actually think that Jordan Peterson is like a Methodist preacher. 97% of what he says is actually like pretty straightforward and pretty like it's good. And 3% is terrible. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, he respected the fact that I engaged with him and therefore he accepted my critique. And I thought, yeah. this is because people are desperate for community yeah. yeah, and to be understood and be seen. So people will actually, they'll accept your criticism as long as you see them as human. This is why next year I want to do more Twitches, more Instagram lives. There's a great friend of mine, Mateus Sodre, who was part of a big um, activism movement that helped Lula get elected in Brazil mm. and stuff. I said, we just jump on, let's jump on Instagram. Even if there's like 20 people, 10 people yeah. that listen, yeah it will be enough because it's the two of us. Yeah. yeah. So next year, I want to do a lot more of this stuff, whether it's Twitch, Instagram Live, whatever. I want, again, genuinely open invitation and we can just sit on there and chat for. and hang out. Ah, ah, because again, the should... beauty is, <laughs> I've definitely got a couple of people who who watch mine a lot, who are huge fans of St- Stadio and of your writing and everything. So we won't even have to work. People will just ask <laughs> questions in the chat. I'll be there as a host. Just going, it's something Ad wants to know. Let's do, it, let's, let's do it, man. Let's do it for sure. You should probably we'll wrap up at happen. some point. <laughs> well, yeah, it's point. been a pleasure, gents. I love it. Again, easiest podcast I could record. It's just catching up with a couple of mates. So it's good to see you, lads. It a really pleasure is. as ever. And I'm ex- excited for all that's ahead for, ahead for both of you. It's a, oh, it's a joy so to keep watching both of you keep can you mention before you go can you mention the show notes that I was wearing a roll neck a black roll neck <laughs> I'll make sure that's <laughs> listen for the brand that's pointed out I've, I've snug. As, as we were talking I've had an email from um, an old Nazi about it um, he saw it. <laughs> so, I said tell you what like, the man was he was in his, I hate it but he was in his bag he was in his bag <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not having it. We're not giving him any shine. We're not giving this guy any shine. Polar, before we go, what is the name of the collection? Where can people get it? All of this business. Okay, right. It's called The Lost Chronicle 2004 to 2009. And if you Google it and Polar Beds, wherever wherever they kind of put books and stuff, and it's basically, and there's photos in there from the time as well. Like, it's one of them, it's a real lovely almanac of a thing. And it's like, Apart from the massive photo of my face on the back, we can do without that. But it's like, it's it's gorgeous. I'm really fortunate and really, really kind of grateful to have it because it's like, it, it was something that I never thought, they were ethereal, it spoke and then gone. And then as you get older, you kind of wish that you'd had them kind of in one place. So to have them in one place. I was going to say exactly that. I'm really pleased of it because of that. We were talking before Moose arrived that we were two people on the scene. A load of people on the scene, the goal w- w- was to release a collection. And that either... Ne- never crossed our, our minds or speaking for myself I felt well that's not really m- my world I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not that that's not my kind of thing I want to be if I've got anything I want to be finding a producer to to put something under it or, or whatever else and 
as we all get older, you do realise that, no, it's documenting it. It's yeah. making it a moment, and those moments are worth documenting. It should you be You know when the phone sends you, like, this time three years ago or this time two years mm. ago, like a reel of memory. Yeah, 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 yeah. It feels like one of those of a time when you actually enjoyed it and enough time has passed now where it's it was me and it is me, but it isn't at the same time. So it's kind of gorgeous. And they yeah. let me... The best thing about the whole thing is they let me quote Doom at, at the beginning. It's funny it. you mentioned Doom because the run you went on, <laughs> the run you went on for five years was like, you know, there's certain artists that just hit a certain streak. You know, like Method Man was on a streak from like, there was a period in hip hop, like 93 to 97, mm-hmm. where he was the best guest in hip hop. Yeah, yeah. You went on like a five-year run and not many people, not many artists. It's all about, you want our moment, right? Whether we, you went on a run and it was like, that was the run. It was like, yeah. Everyone that saw it, that lived it, one taste at the Ballum. Shit, I, I, there was a poem I did, pardon my Spanish, I don't know if it's a podcast, but I'm excited. Yeah. But there was, um, there was a time I did a gig at Ballum. It was a one, I did a five-minute poem about London and you were on a bunch of other people. I thought to myself, this feels like an amphitheatre. Right, yeah. to be in this space and performing. It was the you perfect like, storm, wasn't it? It was a lovely like the dump- space, did, the bedford. You did the dumplings poem, I think it was. Yeah. And I was like, just to be in here and doing that in that space at that time during your run was one of the things where I was like, yeah, this is a... It, people would come to the scene. You know, I've got friends in the city, banker friends, yeah, lawyers, yeah. earning a million a year. And they would come to that and they'd be like... Because the, their world is money, right? So primarily yeah. they're like, what's the scale of this? What's it going to make? And they were like, oh, we don't see this in our day jobs ever. Yeah. The level of excellence we're seeing here is something that we don't see in our day jobs. And it was really funny watching their respect. And it was people like you that did that. So anyway, yeah, not to embarrass you. But All of us, man. All of us. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Love Wicked. it. Nice it's one, been guys. a pleasure, Thank Jen. So, so I'm going to press stop and then we can, can, can talk Let's a little it. bit Let's and then it. go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Right. Thank nice you. Bye, everyone. Cheers, much guys. Love. Thank you so Bye-bye. much. been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. If that hasn't got you feeling warm and fuzzy and f- festive, then I don't know what will. I bloody l- I love catching up with them too. When it f- f- finished, I sent Musa the um, Open Mike Eagle track, which is actually called Qu- Qualifiers. I thought I said it was called S- Superheroes. It's called Qualifiers. I sent Polar Bear a load of pictures of Finley, which obviously anyone who follows me on, on socials knows I'm a big fan of sharing pictures of Finley. In fact, f- follow Finley's Instagram a- account at Finley and B. And yeah, I just ended the night just feeling blooming delighted to have had a good catch up with some mates and a reminisce about times that feel like such a long time ago but um and kind of were i guess so yeah blooming lovely i'll be back on friday with a bonus episode and then next week i've got another very special very special christmas episode with two people that you should be incredibly excited about anyway let's go i'll talk to you soon until then stay safe and stay sane Ta-ta.